So hello everyone. Welcome to the Another Startup Story podcast. My name is Carmen, your host for today. And together we'll explore and enjoy conversations around entrepreneurship, creativity, and leadership. And so on today's episode, we have Raphael Holzer, who is the founder of an alcoholic drink known as Fennet Hunter. Um, and with a family history completely immersed in the alcohol production since the 1900s, um, he launched Fennet Hunter with um, his friend Neville in 2016. Um, and and Fennet Hunter is basically a very fresh take on a classic Italian bitter. Um, and what's really unique about um, this product is the branding and the photography. It's just like, it's just so beautiful. And we'll definitely delve deep into how he kind of created this um, amazing aesthetic and, and concept. And in this uh, episode, we'll also talk about the process for how to start an e-commerce company, um, the supply chain, and a bit more about his personal background and how he started the business. So afternoon, how are you doing today? Good afternoon. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank so Rafa is currently stuck in quarantine in Hong Kong, right? <laughs> That's right. But I, I was one of the lucky ones to be able to travel over the last five weeks. So it's okay. I'll be, I'm good here. It's a good Where place to be right now. able to travel during COVID. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as, as you said, we are in the alcohol business so and production. So we also have to produce and we were kind of running low. So my usually production window or the usual production window was about to end. And as things were not changing very much, um, I just had to, just had to go and then do it. But it was all, it was all good. It was an interesting time to travel for sure. And now I'm back, had a great time uh, producing again over the last uh, six weeks and yeah, here we go. Yeah, so you did a quick production run back home in Austria. So you're originally from Austria. What brought you to, because you live in Hong Kong now, do you want to just tell us a bit more about how, how long you've been living in Hong Kong, what brought you there and yeah, if you're enjoying it right, well, maybe not right now, being stuck in quarantine. But I, I'm still <laughs> loving it right now, it's all good. Yeah. I'm looking out at the skyline, so it's all, it's all good. Um, yeah, I got, I got to Hong Kong about 11 years ago. I've been oh, here wow. for a while. I used to work for restaurants. Um, Austria left pretty young, so as soon as I was done with school, I got, I got traveling and I always wanted to go abroad, so from the US over Dubai. And Dubai actually brought me to Hong Kong. Hmm. I used to work with Zuma. And working Zuma. Like Mazuma or Zuma. Uh, Zuma, the restaurant. Oh, okay. I worked for them in Dubai and then I was so fortunate to come over to Hong Kong. Um, stayed here, worked with them for a while, then moved to Beijing and then came back to Hong Kong again to open uh, restaurants with the partners at the Yardbird, Ronin, Sunday's Grocery. Mm. And that, that, kind of, that kind of kept me here in Hong Kong. And from that way, I also started Fernet Hunter. So that's why Fernet Hunter is as much of a, of a Hong Kong brand that is a, as it is an Austrian brand mm. as well, because uh, Hong Kong gave me a lot of great opportunities and I met great people here, as well as my business partner, who was one of the first people I met in when, I came to, when I came to Hong Kong. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good time. Yeah, and so is your business partner, was he previously working in, in you know, F&B as well? 
Um, he actually came from, I think he, well, he studied finance, but right. also has a really broad background in, in, in multiple things that he were doing. So from, um, I think he was in retail. He did also a lot of e-commerce in very early stages, actually. Mm. He was not as popular. Um, obviously, he did, he did a bit of finance. Now he is in manufacturing, printing, and so so he's got also really... Very multifaceted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wide, wide range. Very random at times, but great. He's a great person. But that's what I think, you know, most, especially people who are in the startup industry or doing their own thing, you kind of have to have the ability to wear many hats and, you know, get a, you know, at least a, a clear understanding of how something works. You may not be a specialist in something, but, you know, be able to, yeah, wear many hats. Um, well, I got, I got to meet you through a common friend, uh, Zaren, as well. Yeah, Zaren. Yeah. As, as far as I understand, correct? Yeah, we were working together. I mean, he, how Zoran and I met, he, I did an event in Singapore actually on like overburning. So as in like, you know, mental health and, and he came along and um, yeah, we connected after and he was like, Hey, I need some help with collective minds. And so he didn't really specify exactly what the help was. <laughs> um, and so I've kind of done so many different things and helping him to launch the 222 event. Uh, the, it's a venue space in Singapore. And obviously that, was that the worst time to launch it because of COVID. Um, and then we started uh, Selects, which was um, the alcohol e-commerce, which is how kind of connected with you. And obviously, you know, we dealt with so many different brands and suppliers and yours was the one that really stood out. So um, yeah, it's really interesting. So I guess Fennet Hunter is obviously, you know, being sold in Hong Kong, but you also, um, it's also sold in China, Taiwan, Singapore, Vietnam and the Philippines, and also parts of Europe as well. Um, so if you, do you want to just tell us a bit more about the birth of the idea behind Fernet Hunter and yeah, why you wanted to start it? Well, obviously, as I said, I came from a restaurant background. So also with my family, we, I grew up in a restaurant basically, and alcohol was always a huge part of, of, of our lives because uh, my grandfather was running this, this massive company in Italy and brought that to Austria. My grandfather was part of it. Uh, he was the technical director and kind of mastermind behind all the new products. My dad yeah, grew wow. up in that company and, and uh, trained as a, as a distiller. And well, they shut down their company in the, in the 80s, roughly. But there was always parts of it which were still... Um, which we still used, so like Christmas markets, like we're importing rums and things like that. So there was always like this small part of alcohol, but it was never it was never a focus. Mm. And so I grew up with mostly the stories of like the the good times and the the history <laughs> that was that was behind it. Um, and that always really yeah, it really fascinated me. And then being in the in the restaurant industry myself, I wanted to to bring that to bring that back eventually and i think my first idea was to start a rum distillery in japan in like 2014 or so that yeah. did not that did not quite work out that was <laughs> you went ahead with it um most on the research part i think i got yeah. i got stopped pretty early but then in 2016 my dad agreed that he would basically help me um to do the production in austria to revamp a small space and, and we settled I, I love Fernet. 
uh, that style, that Italian bitter. Yeah. And my family used to produce one, so my great grandfather they used to make Fernet already. They were the other big players in the in the Fernet world. So there was like Fernet Branca, which is still the strongest and the most popular and one of the oldest ones. And then there was Fernet Stock, which was my uh, my great grandfather, my grandfather. Mm. So yeah, we just wanted to make a Fernet, but we took a very different approach in, in making it and obviously in, in branding and designing it. So we didn't use all the old branding. Um, we completely reinvented it. And that was, that was the fun part. So he was doing the production. I was working with my friends on branding and, and designing and then all the import part. I had friends in, in Hong Kong where we kind of started then. And so September, 2016, we got to launch it in Hong Kong. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So it sounds like you have a lot of like good connections and good friends who are able to kind of like help out and advise in certain, um, advise in certain areas. Like the, the branding that you mentioned, like, you know, for anyone who hasn't heard of Fernet Hunter, like just go on their website and, you know, the Instagram is just really beautiful and it's just quite refreshing to, to see how like just you can bring just like a drink to, to life essentially um you know so uh yeah if you can share a bit more about um the process for the brand identity and you know how you came to the final like look and feel um you know and because i think with any e-commerce uh, company right now the challenge we found when we launched selects was that a lot of other suppliers because we were almost like a marketplace and a lot of suppliers didn't have uh, good photography and for any you know if you think of like ASOS and all the fashion e-commerce websites the ones that do really well are the ones with just beautiful photography so um yeah I think there's just so much importance that lies in that yeah I mean I'm, I'm very happy that you like the Instagram because we we wanted to tell the story and people in the beginning were like what are you doing like you should be posting uh, product shots and like um, just more of the product itself. I was like, well, I think it's more of a, an idea to build something around the, the product, mm. build the idea of the product and have once in a while the product featured and actually trying through pictures to tell, to tell a story. That was kind of the way we set out. So from where it started, where it came from, where it moves, uh, in which countries it's rep represented. So that was, that was our idea. And we're very slow on our Instagram, but it's it's moving it's moving steadily. We want to always have good good pictures. Yeah, of course. And I think like the story behind the, the the brand is something very close to your family heritage. You know, it's very much woven throughout the branding, the product, the advertising. Um, so I guess my next question is how, how if you know um, any for any listeners who are looking to start their own products or potentially service. How do you think they can essentially weave in this story for, for the brand without, because like you said, it's, it's not all about having shots of the product, right? You know, it's, that's kind of like in your face advertising um, and you do it in a very subtle um, and beautiful way. So yeah, I guess my question is how, how would you, what kind of advice can you give to, you know, a company trying to create that brand story? Well, our, we, how we went about was we really created the stories with with my designers in in austria um who i grew up with they're ortnashenko and he's like a really talented talented designer and uh kira 
who's running more of the business side of things is really good at communicating. So we sat down together a lot and really used what's in our what's in our surrounding, what's in our knowledge. I mean, I went there with some old labels from my family and we kept bits and pieces of that and it's all integrated in a bottle like the signature of my great grandfather like the the family crest like names that are names that are in there and products and then we tied in from where we're really from so this is for example deer or the granite um is all things that really reflect our our region in austria so from that on that that was our starting point then there we went on how do we how do we tell this story how do we communicate this and our medium was we decided it's going to be photography uh was going to be our medium to just Mm. bring that forward and and a lot of i mean we're very photography heavy but we're also very text heavy so fonts writing typefaces uh, and stuff typefaces so we we have like a very classic font that we use and we try to vary that in sizes and really get the attention of people to actually read to not only yeah. take in the image but also sometimes like our brand books and i think i have i have to send you a box of with all I'd the love that. yeah I, I, was, I was gonna apologize i should have done that before <laughs> no, don't be silly. but my excuse is i just came back to hong kong so <laughs> i'll do it as soon as i'm out of the quarantine. <laughs> um i'll send you some but yeah, so that was really important for us to communicate, and that was the branding idea. Having something something very simple, like for instance, our bottle is a very classic, uh, unassuming bottle, but it's it's a classic. It's a very classic design. It looks like a bottle, mm. and it's, it's very useful. I mean, it's great behind the bar to work with it, and yeah, and everything we kept very minimalistic in terms of or very clean i don't want to use the minimalistic but mm-hmm. it's just we wanted to keep it very clean and really attention to details whatever we use so hot foil debossing embossing uh good paper and really let the let the product you know tell a story once you start looking at it so that was that's kind of how we went about on on, on that part on the designing part um communication i think i get the most criticism that i'm not that good at communicating it but i'm always like yeah you gotta you gotta look into it a little bit i think you have to let people discover things sometimes it's not it's not too much in your face and Hmm. if you spend time with it you'll discover a lot it might take a lot longer for people to discover it so we're definitely not that one hit wonder that goes out the gates and just like has great sales so we we put in a lot of work and takes a lot of time but yeah i like that i like people discovering things yeah you're kind of in it for the long game and creating all about creating a sustainable brand which is um yeah has a bigger impact in the long run so yeah i I guess yeah so just to recap you were saying like good photography typeface but also um, yeah, keeping it very clean. I like that clean, clean branding because there's just like so much noise nowadays, and you know, so many brands fighting for your attention. And I think yeah. Fernet Hunt is just very classy in the sense that it's not, it doesn't, it's not in your face. It's not fighting for your attention. It's just like 
just like beautifully beautifully there you know sitting on your <laughs> sitting on yeah. your shelf um and even just by looking at instagram you can tell that's um yeah and that's what it that's when you know a brand has done you know a good job it's like when you can go on their socials or website and you just you feel it almost like triggers emotions and you can there's like a feeling that you feel when you when you're like visiting this page um so yeah well done on that thank you I get, I get a feeling of stress when I look at my Instagram. <laughs> that means I have to keep going with it. <laughs> do but you have sure. some, do you do it yourself or do you have like a team or, or what's um, your um, like company setup? Team. Currently I'm doing it myself. You know, we all, we all have to cut back in times like this uh, mm. uh, for a while, but we always, you know, having so many good people around me, I can always like the photography I don't create. So there's some pictures of mine i won't i won't tell you which ones because um, <laughs> I, I like it when it just blends in but yeah i think we're doing it the photography is mostly not mine but it's it's from people we work with who we do yeah. branding shots with and then we select what what goes in there obviously yeah but, totally um under under direction of my of my friends in austria usually yeah, well, congrat congratulations to them. <laughs> um, but what kind of, would you say there have been like any major challenges that you've come across since starting, you know, the brand, especially relating to, you know, e-commerce and I guess like getting the website up and trying to trying to maximize sales, like has that been quite challenging, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you go, you know, you go in very green in this whole thing and you think, okay, like the alcohol industry, you know, you hear of all these uh, brands being bought by, by larger brands and they're making crazy amounts of money. And you go in with that feeling, but I think you realize pretty quickly that if you wanna, if you wanna build something very sustainable, that you're just gonna need time. Mm. Like you lose that of like push, 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 and you have to sell after, I don't know, the first, the first year, you're like, okay, wait a minute. Like, where where am I going? What what's what's happening? So it, it took us a while to find our to find our pace. I think we're very we're very comfortable now with our pace to really focus on the things on the, the focus on the people that, that enjoy drinking it and, and that like it. And mm. and use that also still important in the in the alcohol industry, word of mouth rather than, than being too pushy and trying to spend too much money to appeal to to client base that won't even accept you i guess yeah so yeah i was gonna say like for the uh, alcohol industry what kind of main like mediums do you think have been most effective for you um i guess with regards to digital marketing and how to kind of um yeah well, honestly i think the most successful part or the most yeah the best part for us was word of mouth and being out there really being with the people with the bartenders and they or with with our clients and they in turn start to enjoy our our social media once they find out about us mm. first, first it's important to get people to tell our story uh, personally and then later they come back as a client on e-commerce and then they tell their friends so we weren't really that successful if we just like send out really focus on e-commerce, just e-commerce to target people mm -hmm. um, with, with advertisements or with emails or with uh, let's say a, a send out or anything. Yeah. 
but we get a lot of we we do a lot of marketing in the sense that we we like to send a bottle to people and they communicate for us so i i guess influencer marketing in a sense but in a very in, in a microcosm, right? Kind of thing. Not on a not on a grand scale, but in a very in a very microcosm, like really in a microcosm, on like very targeted communities. Yeah, that's like, really interesting because I guess it's just like going back to old fashioned, you know, yeah, like word of mouth and being like human to human as opposed to blasting out on you know multiple newsletters and focusing too much on digital. Um, yeah, I agree. That's I for think, example why I enjoyed select so much because it was, it was a smaller, a smaller base of, and we, we give that to partners. So we have a good partner and we have a great partner in China. We have a great partner in Vietnam in Hong Kong, obviously where our, our base is in Austria, have a good partners. So we really work with these partners and, and support them and also play into their online shops. So let's say we sell, we, we send something out. It is back. Uh, we want to feed in back into their, into their e-commerce, into their social media. So that's that's what we intend to do when we when we set out and not try to to outsell our partners through direct sales. Yeah, it's like if you, it's just again like the power of collaboration and strategic partnerships. I think um, a lot of people underestimate how how actually we should be working together in in the industry as opposed to competing against each other. Um, no, that's a really interesting uh, way, you know, how you put it. In terms of like influencer marketing, I know it's not as the traditional influence marketing that most people think about, but it's a lot more authentic. It's a lot more um, curated, I guess. But how do you define who you would send it to? Like, do you send it to people who are kind of specifically in the FMB industry or, you know, someone who has a bigger profile? Like, what kind of criteria do you look at when? you know, sharing the product um, with these influencers can, who can shout out about the brand? I mean, I think we look at, we look at more of a, of a spread of people, right? Which, which industries are we, we interested in? Um, which people would, would enjoy the product? So I think we have quite a variety. So we'll send, let's say, 35% to, to the F&B industry. 35 to 40% is obviously the biggest part. Then we would send designers 20%, like artists 10%, um, even people that we enjoy like working with, even if it's in, let's say, a space of like sports or fitness or anything, where like you might not get a post or anything, but the product is out there and we still yeah. know people will drink. Um, anything we really, we really enjoy, if that's, if that's tech, if it's art, if it's design. So we try to keep like a really open mind and and we see where people enjoy quality and also look at people that that want to do something different and enjoy different things so that's that's kind of where we look at in terms of sending things out so yeah that's interesting just spreading it out as much as possible i guess um yeah i mean targeted f and b let's say when we do pop-up shifts or when i go out there and Mm -hmm um bartend or have somebody else of my of my team bartend for them then it's very fmb focused but again being from the fmb industry it was always it's very important this is your platform like the fmb is our platform in order to get out to other people 
because you meet people yeah. while you're while you're in that and through that they get interested in our um, in our design in our artwork and that's mostly found then online again and from there they spread it again yeah like your website's your flagship store um, sort of, yeah yeah mm. So you uh, currently work as a consultant for a lot of bar openings, you know, and other projects within the F&B industry, correct? Yeah, um, still do here and there, yeah. Yeah, so you're kind of, you know, you, what, well, you can tell us a bit more, but you help to develop concepts of restaurants and, um, you know, essentially uh, providing that consultation expertise to new, um, new restaurants and new um, bars, I guess. And yeah. I, and with the INC listing hospitality, it says that F&B is one of the hardest industries for any entrepreneur to break into. And actually, yeah. funny enough, my dad is like a, you know, he, he's opened up many restaurants as well. He comes from the F&B industry. I always forget about this, but when I was oh, young, wow. okay. I used to work in, he used you, to be working. You've got, you've got F&B in your blood as well. <laughs> yeah, I actually do. But I totally, you know, I lot helped work with him when I was younger. But it is such a hard um, well, next time, next time I'll come for a guest shift to Singapore. <laughs> I, will, I will invite you to work with me. Like, if, that's, if that's in your blood, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it, it's hidden deep down somewhere. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. it's funny. I was also listening to pod, uh, a conversation between Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you know Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Um, and Brené Brown, um, amazing TED Talk speaker. But they were talk, randomly talking about how you know, they were like, if you've never worked in a restaurant that you don't have any life experience, like it's one of the best training grounds to like really develop you as a person and for your character. Um, so, I mean, yeah. Think about it on, on times of restaurants, you'll have, as, as a person, and if you're in good restaurants, you really have interactions with anybody from being a lawyer, doctor, being CEOs, being mm. billionaires, like you have a range of people and you, you cater to a range of different desires. And if you're, if you're good at that, you're, yeah, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's really it's a wide, well, yeah, it's super, super hard widespread skill. Yeah, no, of course. But it, it but like it, going back to the point, it is, a, it's a really hard industry, especially for an entrepreneur to break into, especially in Hong Kong when, you know, in Asia, people are very critical. You know, the standard for F&B is very high. Um, it is definitely here in Singapore. I think, I'm assuming it is in Hong Kong too. Um, yeah, so what kind of advice can you give to aspiring entrepreneurs who are looking to start something like, not necessarily, you know, food, food and beverage uh, relate, um, solely, but it could be like an app relating to, you know, there's a lot of wellness apps nowadays. Um, which have an F&B component, but what kind of advice can you give to these I mean, um, newcomers? First of all, you come, you come to the point of like opening a restaurant. My advice is don't do it. That's, <laughs> really? that's the first advice. Like open a restaurant and I'm, I'm in the process right now to open one in my, in my hometown in Austria. Oh so wow, congratulations. Bad, bad mistake. Well, let's see, let's see about that. Generally, it's a very... I, I advise people not to do it unless they're really, really sure that they want to spend a lot of time within that space. So you, I think you just really, if you open a restaurant, you'll have to be prepared that you spend all your waking and sleeping hours in that, in that space because it's a, it's a people's business, right? Mm -hmm. As we yeah. just said, um, you have to be present. And there's no, you can't just open a concept and leave it to somebody like, it's, it's very hands-on, yeah. Yeah, there's so much personality in there. 
but yeah, whoever wants to work in that space, work there. Like as you, I think you mentioned it before. Um, first, you gotta be in that industry at least. If you just work in there for a year, like if you want to break into the space, like surround yourself with these people, with the F and B people, be be part of it, and then work in a restaurant for a little while to understand what's actually what's actually happening. I think that's that's really really important when there's anything happening with within this industry um and and to start a space if that's anything f&b related i'd say mm. also also on the tech side or have have somebody in your team that really understands that restaurant side and listen to them um i think that's a good that's a good advice i i have a lot when i do consultings a lot of people come to me and they've never worked in a restaurant but that's opening have, a bar or yeah open a restaurant open a yeah. bar like whatever they want to do yeah i just never have spent a day in the in a restaurant <laughs> and what, what are the major challenges usually well i mean they just don't understand that it that it takes first of all it takes time to you know same as any other brand it, it takes time to to find your footing and there's so many little details in restaurants mm. from ordering all the cutlery to like, for example, like plates, cutlery, hardware, software, it like all comes together. Um, there's so many moving bits and pieces in restaurants and, and a lot of people underestimate the, the time it takes, the money it takes. And, and again, all these little details because you're running, you're really running a small, a small ship there or a small village once you have a restaurant. Mm. You have all no, bits and pieces. Yeah, it's so true. There's no hiding behind, you know, an app or a website or anything. No, nope, you're Very you're there all day, every day, and every day it opens. It it needs money. Yeah. And it if you don't if you don't have guests from the beginning, it's like you'll you'll be spending money. So, yeah, good good capital, Hi, good long term good long term planning, like a one year for sure, like a one year planning with like all staff payroll and so just to give you that peace of mind. so. Mm. And like, not to, I don't really want to kind of talk too much about COVID because I feel like everyone's fed up off the topic, but how have you, you know, what have, what have the insights been, you know, from your perspective, obviously it's had a major impact on the F&B and hospitality industry. Um, and how do you see, you know, the future of F&B picking up anytime soon? Sure. I mean, I, I feel I feel for all my friends and people who are in the in the industry right now. Like we're going to Hong Kong right now again. They shut mm-hmm. down uh, bars and restaurants. From people are very innovative in restaurants. That's for sure. I mean, if you if you look around, what the things they come up with to to maintain is it's it's yeah. amazing. What kind of examples what, do you mean by that? What the bar community has done with like I mean the amount and, and the quality of takeout cocktails that came out. In, in Hong Kong, like incredible, like really, really cool. Yeah. Um, they've done how innovative they, they stayed. Um, yeah, now they, how they switch over. Really, really cool. Uh, from, you know, being a, a functioning space to cater to takeout and delivery and really, really switched over quickly. But what's about to come? I, I can't. I can't even imagine. Like, I, I don't really know. I think people, what they did in Hong Kong is really good 
needs to happen in, in Europe accounts. That means like people are checking in, you know, within it with an app or not, like wear masks when they come in. Oh yeah, we've got the same here as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really that's really helpful. You know, it's harder to tell people in Europe that because they're, yeah, they're it's private. Crazy. It's like private, in Europe, privacy, kind of... the privacy concerns. Totally, they're like really against it, but actually, it's just yeah. And, and I guess that really brings me on to my next question around. Um, you know, there's still major cultural differences between the West and East and with Fennet Hunter being of Austrian descent, like, and I know why you started in Hong Kong, you know, you personally had roots here, Um, but how would you describe um, brand loyalty for like, I guess the brand here in Asia and almost like catering and communicating to both different, you know, there's two different complete cultures. Have you found that you've had to use a different approach for both? Like when you entered the um, European market and then obviously when you first launched in I, mean, I, I think in, in, in Asia or like I, I don't want to generalize too much because every country is so so different for itself like yeah I mean you you know that for sure as you're multicultural <laughs> yourself as well um, that Hong Kong is so different from from Singapore for instance and and China is so different in, in every region again from each other um, but what I, I think the curiosity is generally higher here. Like, I think maybe in Singapore, they're a bit more, they don't trust you as quickly. It's more like Japan. They won't trust you as quickly, but when they embrace you, they'll, they'll stay with you for a long time. Yeah. Um, but they're very, very curious. Like Hong Kong, I mean, people are very curious. They're very, uh, eager to, to, to take on something, mm-hmm. but then you, but then you have to stay on, on top of uh, on top of it and really be there and constantly remind them and be like hey you know guys you like this remember <laughs> you should drink it as well it's good for you yeah <laughs> like drink some um versus for example austria which we just starting slowly and it took us a good we, had la- we didn't launch in austria in the beginning it took us about two years two and a half years to launch back home yeah and now we've been and now after a year and a half or two years they're like oh okay it doesn't go away we see it at certain places so maybe we should eventually try it and then they're like like oh okay that's not bad like we like that that's different um so it takes them a lot longer to get on it but then they're going to be very loyal so once you're once you're in they know as long as you consider, as long as you deliver consistent quality, but then they'll really, they'll really stay with you. Yeah. Versus here in Hong Kong, you just need to, you know, you need to stay fresh. You need to constantly be, be on like the case. And yeah, just kind of, yeah, like you said, being a reminder. Yeah, you just need to be like, hey guys, we're we're still here. Like this was not a <laughs> drink me. Yeah. Not, yeah, it's good. You know, it's good for you. You know you like it. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. No, I guess, yeah, I, the same approach definitely doesn't apply to both in, in terms of um, the strategy and, and the marketing and technique that you use, uh, which is always a challenge when you're kind of uh, you're operating with a global brand. Um, but yeah, I think I, I just wanted to ask a few, I wanted to delve more deep into um, you yourself as an entrepreneur and I think a lot of things that come up in, in conversations with creative entrepreneurs and other founders is um, 
very much around like habits and, and mindset because I think um, when you think of creativity, um, most people think of it as a skill, but actually I think it's more so a habit because the small, the small things that you do every day essentially accumulated is what's going to become your life, your company, you know? And so like your habits affect your mindset, which obviously goes on to your, your goals. And so I just wanted to ask um, some questions around, um, yeah, like what kind of habits or rituals you have, whether it's like a morning routine to kind of like keep you focused and keep you inspired when you're, um, yeah, working, working on Fernet Hunter. Yeah. I mean, I don't see myself as so much of a, of an entrepreneur. I'm always like, you know, <laughs> the, real, the real entrepreneurs are like, they're like, you know, much different. I'm, I'm basically making alcohol with, with my friends and we're, we're enjoying it and we're trying to, to succeed. It's a very so, modest uh, way of <laughs> <laughs> um, We're just a bunch of friends having fun. <laughs> well, yeah, it's hard, hard-earned fun, but it's, it's still, it's still a great time. It makes me smile when I wake up in the morning, so it's, it's good, you know. You won that. Like every, every, every bottle sold is like it's, it's good, you know. It means somebody else is drinking it again. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do keep my routine as much as I can when we, when we travel. You know, I work, I work out. I love, I love doing that. Um, I try, I try to, to stretch in the morning but nothing nothing out of the i need my time outside like that's that's one thing for sure what i've learned living in hong kong when mm. i was working in restaurants um especially hong kong swallows you at one point and you just see concrete and you forget that there's anything else out there i need to yeah. like once a week i need to go out and, and see some trees or some green or an ocean or something because otherwise i'll go i'll go crazy so that's the hard part with the quarantine right now. So now it's one weekend. I'm like, all I'm longing for is like to, to be outside, to go surf. To, yeah. You've got amazing something. hiking trails in Hong Kong. No? I think we do. Yeah. Better yeah, nature yeah. than we do here in Singapore. <laughs> I know. I, I can't believe that there's nothing else going on in Singapore besides there must be, no? I mean, there are, there's beautiful parks here and we've got trails and stuff, but it's like the same ones over and it's like, three kind of really good ones and obviously botanical yeah. gardens which most major cities have and it is beautiful but it just doesn't there isn't that kind of like rawness you know where you go out and you it's just like it's like have fun but have, don't have too much fun you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like paddle like, i think it's paddle boarding um that's like, that's, like the motto, that's that's the motto of singapore have fun but just not too much <laughs> don't, don't go don't go too crazy <laughs> No, literally, I was like, yeah, so there's like this place where you can go paddleboarding, but it's like the smallest parameter. I'm like, how are you meant to, you know, go uh, to the floor? Or it's like, yeah, don't even yeah, get no, Hong Kong, Hong Kong is great that way. And I think that kept me as well once I found, when I found, once I found out about this, that I, you know, I'll be able to surf, wake surf, just be out there, go hike. It's, it's yeah, there's a, there's a lot to do. And that keeps me, I think that keeps me as a, as a routine. Like the normal workout, yes. I do that and also when I travel that's quite important because you can imagine how much we how much we drink um, <laughs> yeah. when we're actually on, on bar trips and you know after five six nights um, doing back-to-back -back, like guest shifts or being out there you you feel it yeah of course there there it's super important just to just I was gonna say how do you stay in shape it doesn't look like you're drinking 24 7 and especially with like beer as well which is meant to be I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> drink a little less 
but yeah i mean that's yeah we just we just work out i mean i love i love sports so just stay active as much as you can like after day six or seven it gets a little bit harder but as long as you make it out of bed and do a little workout if it's just half an hour you're good yeah exercise in nature that's like as a mother nature (laughs) yeah you gotta push that's the also I mean, we traveled to Taiwan, for example, which is fantastic. Like, I, haven't I love Taiwan. Yeah. Super cool and edgy, like really unexpected. Um, I don't know why, but I thought it would be quite similar to Hong Kong, but it's really not. No, it's totally different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Like, I'm looking forward to go back to, to Taiwan again to combine the, our, our account visits and, and trainings. And so mm. just combine it with surf trips. So. We love doing things with our bartenders, so that's also stuff we do to get like the, the restaurant industry out out and about at like ten in the morning and go for hikes with them. Uh, yeah, no, it sounds come up with some gear. So sounds great. Yeah. And then so if you were to gift one book to a friend, what book would it be and why? Poo. To a friend? That is to a friend? Yeah, um, or someone. If you were to be like, this book is going to change your life. I mean, there's a great book <laughs> which, I, which I love. It's called Bar- Barbarian Days. Okay. I've not read that. I mean, I don't know how much you enjoy surfing. I, I did get really into it, actually. I learned to surf in Sri Lanka. And I, was that like, is, I mean, this, this is a lot about travel and mindset. And, uh, and I like that then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like he's amazing, like really, really. That's called Barbarian Days. That was like one of my one of my favorite books all the all around. Um, I think also a friend of mine recommended it to me. So besides that, yeah, I you know I read I read quite a bit, especially when being on a plane and so. But I'm also very bad at remembering books. So that that one that one stayed with me for for a long time now yeah i'll definitely give it a read my book list is like slowly getting so so long um william william finnegan barbarian days okay i've written it down Uh, all right one last question what is one piece of um you know advice you would give to the next generation of you know creatives brand owners and um yeah fmb entrepreneurs um, do your research before you start. <laughs> that's that's a very very important part. Like to really to really get ready and, and talk with people that are somewhat in in your field. Mm. Just get a, as much expertise from people that are, and then consider it. And sometimes you have to throw it overboard and don't actually need it. But I think it prepares you. It prepares you a lot to see what's happening. So I wish I would have spoken to a lot more brand owners before I actually started and, and went out there. Yeah. That is, no, I that makes that, sense. Just get people to, you know, I always say get people to poke holes in your business plan and, you know, try and critique as much as possible because. Yeah, or not, I mean, not even that, just like, just as, as you do, you know, just listen to things and, and just let them tell their stories. Um, also the older generation. So like my, you know, my grandfather or so, or my dad, mm. um, just listen to their, to their experiences and see if you can take anything away. That's, I should have done a, a lot more of that before, before I started. 
Yeah, amazing. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining this conversation today, Raphael, and, and like sharing your story um, and you know the birth of Fennet Hunter um, and giving your wisdom on, on everything that you've learned. I'm sure all of our listeners will be super inspired. Um, I'll also put all the details and links in the show notes so people can find you. Um, but yeah, I'd highly recommend checking out their website and, you know, buying a case. So yeah, thank you for joining. Thank you very much. Thanks for your, thanks for the interview. Thanks for <laughs> taking your time. Do, do you have any last words that you wanted to share? Or? Um, drink more Fernet Hunter. <laughs> so sweet. But, I mean, it's Friday. You know, I don't know <laughs> exactly. Maybe, maybe we should post it. You should post it on a Friday as well. So people actually. Yeah, I'll do, a little, I'll do a little post on our stories today. Thank you. Don't worry. Self-marketing. I think, I think for Friday. Friday is a good one. Otherwise, it's Monday. I'll feel a little bad if we get people to drink. <laughs> Amazing. Well, most people work from home now. So, you know, all the days are blending into <laughs> yeah. one. <laughs> all I right. shall do it right now as well. <laughs> um, amazing well if you guys are listening um, and you're looking for more inspiration there's plenty of other stories and resources and practical guides on how to start um, a creative business so check out our website um, or you can find us on Instagram thank you so much Raphael enjoy your weekend and I'm sure we'll connect very thank much, so very much. Soon. yes and I'll send you that package I promise oh, thank you that's very kind no worries <laughs> alright thanks Carmen bye bye, bye.